Hello and welcome to EM Talk. EM Talk is a podcast sponsored by Axon Education and the Texas EMS School, and we are devoted to diving into the real world of EMS and everything relative. We interview real EMS providers, real hospital providers, real patients, and get the real story on what's going on currently in the world of EMS and what we can do to make it better. When COVID-19 started, I and many others found ourselves having very, very strange dreams. Doctors and psychologists decided that it was a subconscious response to the pandemic, kind of like a collective nightmare. The strangest thing about the dreams, or nightmares, was how easy it was to remember what happened in them. Usually, when you have a dream, you remember it for the first few moments of being awake and then the memory is gone. These dreams stuck with me for days. I remember one dream in particular, even now. The dream, or nightmare I guess, started with my family being taken from our homes. We were forced into buses where we saw other families in a similar state of confusion. We were driven through the night to a prison-like facility where our temperatures were taken. I was trying to keep my kids and wife with me, but when it came our turn for assessment, I was the only one who passed the test. My family was pulled from me in the nightmare. It was like the vision zoomed in on my youngest son's face, and I could see the fear and confusion in his eyes. I awoke from the same dream now, only this time when I wake, I'm in the living quarters of the ambulance station and I look around to see Casey and Mark asleep a few feet away on either side. The sun was coming out and that meant we would all be up soon, prepping and planning for departure. I took the only time I had to myself and chose to try and cook some breakfast in the kitchen. I found a few eggs and not much else that appeared appealing at the time. I found a pan, lit the stove, and started cooking. The smell must have woken Casey and Mark because they stumbled in shortly after I began. Their entrance almost seemed normal and reminded me of the Folgers commercial where all the people in the house would wake up with a smile smelling the air. The looks on their faces weren't near as pleasant, but that is what we have all kind of gotten used to. Not a lot to be happy about these days. Casey has always been a talker. I mean that in the most kind way possible. He can hold a conversation with anyone about anything, so I'm not surprised that he talks first. It is comforting in a way, and brings me back to days before this whole pandemic. What you cooking? he says. All I could find that seemed edible was the eggs. Wish we could have bacon again. Bacon had long since become very hard to come by. A meat shortage started in May and only got worse as time went on. I would even eat turkey bacon at this point, says Mark. The food is ready quick, and Mark, Casey, and I grab a plate and throw equal servings of eggs on it. We eat quietly as if we are starving, but really I think we all just know how hard the day is going to be. What we know is that every time Casey has tried to leave, even by himself, the converted have been on him within a few minutes. We have an advantage because we have the truck to leave, but the reality is we may not get another chance to gather supplies, and if we could snag another vehicle, then we have a backup if the truck breaks down. There is a parking lot full of vehicles right down the street. Casey's old partner even left his truck there at the station. The only problem is that the keys were in his pocket. 
The last place Casey knew him to be was at the hospital. Being that none of us are really sure how to hotwire a car, the best chance is for us to wait the best chance is for us to make it to the hospital and try to find the keys to that truck. After we finished eating, I put the idea out there. Mark and Casey agreed, but the question is still how. How can we make it safely to the hospital, navigate the inside of the facility, and find those keys? I'm taken back to a time that one of the new employees of the ambulance service accidentally smashed the truck in a Sonic. If the truck, this truck, could survive that with a little scratch, then surely we could bump the back up against the ambulance bay and two of us could jump out of the back and get in the hospital. I verbalize the plan and we agree. Mark will drive the truck and Casey and I will go in the hospital. Casey still had his rifle and lucky for me, we had a couple of other guns handy. We started to pack everything up and get it ready for the trip. With the addition of Casey's weaponry, we might actually have a chance of survival. We got the ambulance loaded up and added some tools into the side compartments. We also restocked on meds and medical supplies as well. Casey had an air compressor handy and that would be useful for multiple purposes down the road. With everything loaded, Casey and I got in the box and Mark got up front to drive. We opened the bay door and slowly took off for the hospital. Surprisingly, we saw nothing threatening on the streets. No converted, no people, nothing. We made it to the hospital as planned. Mark backed the truck up to the busted bay doors hard to seal it up. For a moment, Mark forgot the beeping sound the truck makes while backing up. I felt the sweat run down my head as he turned it off quickly. Casey and I checked our weapons, gave each other a nod, and then slowly opened the truck doors to get into the hospital. It was so quiet. Hospitals are usually not quiet at all. There's always something happening, but nothing now. I looked at Casey, and he gestured for me to follow him. I follow behind, nervous, and looking around constantly. Casey had mentioned on the way over to the hospital that his best guess is we will find his partner in the cafeteria. Of course, that really is just a guess, because we aren't even sure that is where he was when all this thing went bad. We don't hope anything bad happened to him, but if it did, we're hoping it happened in the cafeteria so we can find him quick, grab the keys to his truck, and get out of here before anything goes wrong. As we head to the cafeteria, it is clear that the incident that took place was savage. There are bodies lining the hallways and items thrown all over the place. The hospital beds, IV poles, cardiac monitors, and medical supplies that used to represent our ability as a society to heal now just seem to create an image of death, of how we were so wrong and unprepared for this whole thing. I remember all the charts that used to be released, flatten the curve charts and death percentages and cases by county, by city, and by state. Every scientist, every doctor that the media let us see told us that we were going to be fine. We were going to make it. First they told us to stay in and stay safe. Then they told us it was safe to come out and we had to do it to save the economy. 
Instead of looking at the situation as fluid, we were taught to view it in phases. Those phases provided us with a false sense of security that would end up being our downfall. As we round the corner to the entrance of the cafeteria, I could smell the rotting food that was left out. That is a shame because I was kind of hoping we would find something to take back with us. We really didn't see anything out of the ordinary otherwise in the cafeteria. We decided to check the freezers in hopes that maybe they maintained a bit of cold that could keep some food good enough to take back with us. As we open the freezer doors, we don't get the gust of cold air you would normally expect, but it isn't hot yet. Pick up a few bags of what used to be frozen vegetables and they're still a little cold. I find some frozen chicken nuggets and even a case of water. I decide to leave the water, it's a little heavy and I don't want to get caught up with it, so hopefully if we're lucky enough to make it back, I'll grab it then. We stuff the other goods in a backpack and keep moving. We didn't see any sign of Dale, Casey's partner in the cafeteria, so we moved towards the nurse's station. Sometimes Dale liked to hang out there and hit on the nurses. As we came around the corner to the hallway leading to the nurse's station, I heard movement. I pulled Casey by the arm into the closest room and quietly shut the door. I could hear feet shuffling down the hall, coming closer to us. We both held the door tight, hoping to keep anything out that might want in. The sound got closer and closer until we felt weight against the door. As it pushed, the door gave a little and we pushed back. The converted knew we were on the other side now. It felt us push back. I quietly told Casey to hold the door. I was going to look under and see how many were there. I got down on my knees and got my head low. I was able to see under the door and to my surprise, I only saw one set of black tactical style boots. I whispered to Casey, there's only one. Let's let it in. Then we could try to lock it in here and run. Casey agreed and we counted to three and opened the door. As it came in, I attempted to push it towards the bathroom and head out of the door. Casey just stood there. Come on. Casey grabbed the converted and threw it to the ground. I could not figure out what he was doing. Then, as Casey was struggling, I saw the name tag. Dale, Gatesville EMS, paramedic. I could see the keys on a clip on Dale's belt loop. But Casey was caught up in a struggle. I didn't want to do it, but I had no alternative. I grabbed the rifle Casey dropped and fired. Dale stopped moving. I helped Casey up. I grabbed the keys from his belt, and we ran for the ambulance bay. The sound drew out the others, and we weren't going to be able to get that case of water. I heard Mark yelling for us to hurry as we got closer. We jumped in the ambulance and closed the doors. Mark took off. The parking lot was covered with converted. Mark was doing everything he could to avoid them without flipping the truck over. We made it out of the parking lot and Mark went towards the station. I saw quickly that we weren't going to be able to get back to that station and get the other truck without a plan, so we kept driving. 
I asked Casey if he knew where the nearest gas station was and he stuck his head through the cab window and told Mark where to turn. We lost the converted pretty quick and made it to the gas station. This time there were no attendant to try and this time there was no attendant to try and lock us in. We went in together, turned on the pump, and fueled up. We just sat there for a minute catching our breath. We decided we would just give it some time and head back to the station to grab the other truck. We also decided that we would try to make a run for a few of the grocery stores in town before heading out. As we sat there waiting, I heard it first. Then we all heard it. We'll see you next time on EM Talk as we continue on with The Converted.